I am so honored to be here, and I promise you, it is one of the greatest delights of my life. I have my sweet wife, Patty, with me today. We love Pastor Reed and JC. We love them. And uh, it broke our heart the Friday night he came to tell us that there was a church back in Snyder that wanted his services, and we thought that he was going to be with us for a long, long, long time. It was pretty cool working with family. There's nothing like... Reed Johnson. There's nobody like him. And uh, I, know he, I know he wants to be like me, but he's so much better than me already. And he's not even 60 yet. <laughs> he's a sweet young man. Y'all got a gem, a jewel, and you got a precious lady with JC. And we're so happy that they are here. And if y'all will leave the door open for us, we'll be, uh, we'll be around every now and then to check on you, make sure y'all doing all right. Would you give your pastor and your pastor's wife and their children a great hand of appreciation? I love you. I love you. Wow. That is so cool. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand because I just like you to stand. I just love calisthenics. I tell our people sometime at home, let's be Catholic and stand one more time. And we do. If you're ever in Austin, come by and see us. We're Christian Life Austin, and we do services three minutes shorter than y'all. So we're quicker done than you are. So we'll give you three more minutes, okay? Three less minutes of church. Seventy's a long time. But I promise to be through because I know how to preach in a time slot. And thank you for the privilege. It's good to be with my two nieces here today and their husbands and their children. What a joy. I think Jason's outside guarding the front so that nobody will attack y'all while I'm here today. And that's joyful. I'm going to speak today on this anniversary service. I'm going to talk to you today on, on these four words. God came from Teman. God came from Teman. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. And I'm not lying. Have you, have you been working out? And you may be seated. Now, if you told a story, repent right now. <laughs> Say it with me. God came from Teman. You know, it's oftentimes that the shortest prayers produce the most profound results. Elijah prayed 63 words on top of Carmel and fire fell. Peter had a one-sentence prayer in Acts 3 and a lame man was healed. Paul spent 14 words of his dictionary in Acts 16 and a woman was set free. And Hezekiah in his struggle in Isaiah 38 prayed 29 words and he mentions three things. He mentions truth, he mentions perfect heart, and he mentions, I did the right thing. And we know Jabez's prayer of 33 words that has become life-changing words to so, so many. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. That's non-gendered. There's two things here. Number one, prayer is passionate. It's one of fervency. It's one of, like you read in the Bible, help me, Lord, I have a daughter vexed. Save me, Lord, I'm drowning. It's a prayer of fervency. 
And it also comes from a man or a woman of passion. Habakkuk had a short prayer of 33 words in the third chapter of his book when he said, O Lord, I've heard your speech and I was afraid. O Lord, revive your works in the midst of the years and in the midst of years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And the Bible said in verse 3, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah, so be it. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. See, many times, folks, short prayers have an urgency that long orations fail to have. But the Bible said when Habakkuk prayed that God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran because of one thing, prayer touched God. Can I get an amen? amen. It always touches God. And God came from where he was to where Habakkuk was. God came from Teman to Habakkuk. Prayer touched God. See, God will leave where he is to come to where the prayer is. God will come. I want to tell you a cute little story. I would call it funny, but you may not see it funny. Peace Corps in South America gets a handbook handed to their volunteers concerning the Amazon. And, you know, there's something down the Amazon called the anaconda. <laughs> I don't think I would like to meet he or her. And there's 10 rules to follow. They give them a manual of 10 rules to follow. If an anaconda comes after, you know, they can reach up to sizes of 35 feet and weigh over 350 pounds. But they can sure fly on the ground. And the first rule is do not run. An anaconda can outrun you if you're attacked by one. Number two, lay down. Oh yeah, that's what I wanna do, I wanna lay down. <laughs> Number three, tuck your chin. Put your hands by your side. Number four, don't panic. <laughs> that's in the rule book, don't panic. Number five, the snake will check you out. Number six, they'll start swallowing you from the feet up, always from the feet up. My question is, has the snake read the manual? Number seven, slowly let this happen. Don't panic. It says it again in number seven. Number eight, slowly take the knife out of your scabbard and place it between your legs under the snake's head and rip up killing the snake. Rule number nine, make sure you have a knife. <laughs> and number 10, make sure it's sharp. That's a rule. Folks, I declare to this church today on your 65th anniversary, prayer still works. Prayer still works. And God, God may not be early, but he's never late. He still answers prayer. So what is Teman? What is Perrin? It was the place where the most awesome manifestation in the Old Testament was happening. It happened at a place called Paran and a place called Sinaitic Range, Mountain Range. That area is horseshoe shaped and Teman is the land that is around this horseshoe shaped two mountains, Sinai and Paran. And in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse two, the Bible said the Lord came from Sinai and he shined forth from Paran. 
So Teman, folks, was nothing more, nothing less than a place of God's manifest glory. It means simply that God was moving even in the Old Testament. It means that this place is current with God. Teman literally means in the original, the right hand of power. It means the power of God. And it shows that God is declaring purpose and that God is working and that God is moving even then. Yet, yet, a simple prayer pierced God's heart and he left Teman and came to Habakkuk. This proves, folks, that God will leave his purpose to come to possibility. He will leave his purpose to come to possibility. See, God is not so wrapped up in making new stuff like creating more stars and more galaxies. We're finding new universes and we're finding new solar systems all the time and more constellation that he won't leave it in a heartbeat to come and find a possibility in a church or in a city or in a country. I declare with all that's in me, all of us at one time were just that, a possibility. But we lifted our voice and said, God, save us. And God came to where we were and brought us out of what we were in. And we're sitting here today, save people. Can you clap your hands and rejoice in that? Because you were only a possibility at one time. I love the story. You know, last month, 50 years ago, Neil and Buzz walked on the moon in July on the 20th, 1969. And he said this statement, one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. And then a little bit later to Buzz and a few men, a little later he said this, good night and good luck, Mr. Gorski. Now it wasn't recorded, but Neil in 1995 at a banquet in Tampa, you know, he was a fun loving guy. He told this story and he said, it really happened, this happened. The Armstrongs used to live next door to some people named Gorski. And the Gorskis were great people halfway. The mother was the wicked witch of the West. And the daddy was a great, great man. And the dad loved the Armstrong boys and the, and the mother didn't want them in her yard. And those Armstrong boys got in the Gorski's yard all the time playing ball, hitting it over the fence. And one day, Miss Gorski chased them out with, with her house shoe, run them out of her yard. She was mean. And, and so a little while later, one of the kids batted a ball over the fence and Neil was chosen to go get the ball. And he realized it had rolled up against a picture window in the back of their house. And that picture window overlooked the, the living room where the Gorskis were sitting. And when he crawled up to get the baseball, he heard fussing and arguing going on in the house. And Miss Gorski was just giving Mr. Gorski the business. She said, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna walk out of here. I'm not going to ever love you again. You, you're, no, you're not worth anything. And Mr. Gorski was a kind man. He said, honey, why don't you just come and sit in my lap and just give me some love and give me some kissing. Let's kiss a little bit and make up. And she said, I, I, I will never kiss you. She said, wait a minute, I will. I'll give you all the kissing and all the loving you want when that Armstrong kid walks on the moon. <laughs> Hence, therefore, I feel good about this. In 1969, he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Good night and good luck, Mr. Gorski. 
I hope you get all the loving you want tonight because Neil, one of those Armstrong boys, walked on the moon. Can I declare to you today, folks, can I declare to you today, there are possibilities. There's moonwalkers walking the city of Snyder, Texas. There are people that will be life changers walking the streets of our city. And all we have to do is not doubt what God can do, but believe that we're just now in the embryonic stage of beginning of what this city is going to hear from Colonial Hill Baptist. Can you clap your hands and say, I believe that and buy that, Pastor. We have a possibility in our lives right now. God loves possibility thinking. He loves it. He loves it. In Acts 8, there was a revival happening in Samaria. It was the hottest place on earth. Unclean spirits were being cast out and sick were being healed and the palsy touched. And the Bible said in verse 8, the whole city was full of joy. Wouldn't that be cool to have all of Snyder full of joy and not one mean person on the block? That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be good to have that in the church? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> so Samaria was the New Testament teeman. It was the New Testament teeman. It was the hot spot of where God was present and where God was happening and where it was taking place. And yet God spoke to a deacon. By the way, to all the deacon board that voted Reed Johnson in, I salute you today. I thank you for bringing this man in. And one of them is my now brother-in-law, Ernie and his sweet wife, Becky. And I want to give them special recognition because he is a member of the deacon board and I give them recognition too. Would you give Ernie and Becky a great hand of appreciation? I love these folks. And God spoke to a deacon in Acts 8 and he said, and the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, said, arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. And he did that because of one man's prayer. It was a eunuch from Ethiopia, one man. You mean to tell me, God, I've got to leave this place where all it's happening? You want me to leave here and you want me to go to a place in the desert? Yeah, because God took Philip away from a city that was having a beautiful move of the spirit and he wanted him to witness to one man because God, folks, is in to possibilities. May I make a statement that'll make you happy? In 1990, a little nine-year-old boy that many people just overlooked came down and was saved and gave his life to the Lord. And he's the man that turned the service over to me today. Now he is your pastor because God is in to possibilities. Come on, clap your hands and say amen to that. As a nine-year-old boy, a possibility came into this house and God saved him. Acts chapter 10 is a story of two men one is the leader of the church, the heart of purpose. That's where God is happening. The second was a man named Cornelius, a devout man, a Gentile, possibility. The Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles nor the Samaritans. But in Acts 3, Peter saw a vision and an angel speaking to him. And fear struck him. He said, what is it, Lord? And he said, "He said, I, wanna, I, want, you to, I want you to rise up and I want you to see what you have seen. And I want you to slay it and eat it. And Peter said, I will not slay that. That is common or unclean. And he said, Peter, after the third time, what I have cleansed, don't you dare call common. But on the other end, there was a man that had not met the Lord yet. And he said, Lord, I just need, I need help. I need somebody to tell me how to be saved. And the Lord said, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. And God, folks, was really in the business 
all those three and a half years of trying to start an infant church, but prayer touched God. Prayer turned God from Teman to the possibility, and God went with Peter to Cornelius' house, and the whole house was saved. I want to. I want to. I want to make a statement to this congregation. I'm not. I'm not into prophecy preaching. I'm really not. I'm kind of a 65 book preacher. I love the revelation, and I talk about it from time to time. But I don't get up and prophesy. I'm doing it right now as I preach. But I want to declare something. This church, God told me to tell you, is going to be the lighthouse of all of Snyder, Texas. You're going to be the lighthouse. You're going to have to enlarge your building. You're going to have to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes because God. God sees possibility walking the streets of this city and they're going to start pouring in this church like you can't imagine. Can somebody get excited about that and say amen? Come on, clap your hand. God will leave purpose to find possibility. And when Pete got there, the whole house was saved. See, God left Teman to go revive Habakkuk and the nation of Israel. And when Adam and Eve fell, and they failed in the garden. God could have started all over. Would have never known the difference. We as us would have never known the difference. Yet he was so in love with his first creation. He'd rather revive first creation than to make something new. Because the Bible said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Do you believe that today? But the Bible said in Ephesians 1, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us. And then he made a plan to rescue us. And it's all about possibilities. And if you're here today and you don't know the Jesus I'm preaching about, in a little while, pastor's going to give you a call, a call to come and receive that Lord on this 65th anniversary today. It'll be such a blessed thing. I read about a man who was broken down his car beside the road and he didn't know anything about it. It must have been me. All I know to do is put gas in it and turn the engine on. It must have been me, but it wasn't. And a man came up in a limousine and got out with a tuxedo and starts and says, son, is this car broke down? He said, yes, sir. He had the hood up. And he said, well, get under the starter, get in the driver's seat and get ready to start it. And he went under the hood, put his, pulled his jacket off, went under the hood in his tuxedo and started hitting this and tapping this under the hood. Then he said, okay, start it. And the guy hit the starter and the, and the car fired up. And the man put his coat back on and started to get back in the limo and the Young man said, how much do I owe you? He said, he said, you owe me nothing. He said, well, who do I think? He said, well, my name's Henry Ford. <laughs> and I made that car. <laughs> and I don't like to see one of my creations on the side of the road having problems. And God today is reaching for everybody that is on the side of the road broken down. And you're needing something in your life. And on this 65th anniversary, you can come and have a great day in your life and receive Jesus into your heart today. Can I get an amen from somebody in this house? See, Jesus had three and a half years to launch an eternal work. But he was interrupted time and again. The reason? For God to put on pause to reach one person. One person. Whether it was a man possessed with demons in Mark chapter 5 at the Gadarenes. Maybe it was a woman at a well in John 4. Perhaps it was one beggar in Mark 10. Or perhaps it was one little lady that came and just touched his garment on his way to another miracle to raise Jairus' daughter. Perhaps he shut down whole multitudes, folks, to save one possibility. Because that's why Jesus came, to seek and to save that which was lost. 
That's why the Bible said he'll leave the 90 and 9 without fences in the field to go find the one lost sheep. That's the kind of God that he is. So let's start looking up. Let's start reaching out. Let's start finding possibilities. There's got to be a lot of people in Snyder, Texas that's never met the Jesus that you've been privileged to meet in your life. Let's reach to people that we've never reached before to because I promise you, when you have Jesus, you have something to share. And when you have the Savior in your life, you have something to give. And that's true. Let me talk here. Let me just speak here and I'm, I'm not far from quitting. This church, folks, and I tell my church this all the time, the church that I pastor is not mine, it's God's. But this church must enlarge its capacity for God. We have to open up our capacity. See, David talked about God in three terms. In Psalms 23, he said, my cup runs over. Later, he said, with joy shall you draw water from the well of salvation. He went from a cup to a well. And then he talked about a river. There is a river, the streams are which makes glad the city of God. So David said, I went from a teacup to a river. You have to enlarge your capacity to believe that God can do anything through this congregation in this city. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that, God will let that happen. I had an old boy receive Christ several years ago in Austin. He used to play for Willie Nelson. He was a complete barefoot hippie. He was just a hippie. And he got in the church and he married a wife that was new age and she thought she was God and she realized she wasn't, that there was one and she wasn't it. And they made great saints and they moved away to another city and we lost their membership, but boy, what, what joy we had for like 20 years with those precious people. And he used to come in and tell me some of the neatest things, some of the greatest things, because he would play these gigs and he loved them and he loved people. He said, Pastor, I had a friend of mine who was blind tell me something the other day. I said, what did he tell you? He said he had never seen an ugly woman. <laughs> what I'm asking you to do is get blind to what you think you see in people. And start seeing people the way Jesus sees people. Because everybody in this city is a possibility. They're a possibility. When Hannah birthed Samuel and left him in the house of God, every year she came and brought him a new coat. And every year the coat was larger. It was greater in size. Never smaller. Because living things grow. And I will declare this. It will be on the screen. The blessing will go somewhere. We must enlarge our hearts to receive what possibilities God has for us. Let me call it to a close. See, Calvary, folks, was Jesus' purpose. That was his teaming. That was his purpose. And when he was suffering those six hours on that cross, they offered him honey and myrrh. It was a drug, it was a narcotic that would help him perhaps lose consciousness. And so the question was, why not take it? You came to this earth to die for us, so why not take it? That's why you're here. You're the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But God is still into possibilities. That was his teaming. 
But on one side of him, see, there was two guys that hung out with him for about six hours that day. And neither one of them had never had a good day. And the one in the middle had never had a bad day. But one railed on him. And the other on the other side said, I'm going to put Johnson term in it. You need to hush. You need to quit talking. Because this man's never done anything wrong. And then he did something. He just said, I'm going to make a play. I'm just, I'm just going to make a play here. I'm going to make a play. I'm going to go for it. He said, Lord, would you do something when you come to your kingdom? Would you, would you just remember me? And the Lord looked over at him. And he said, in essence, I'll do more than remember you, son. This day, today, you're going to be with me. <laughs> In paradise. God is in the possibilities. He loves churches that see people as potential for Christ loving, Christ giving lives. He loves that. I close today. We usually have a little music. Can you play a little kind music so my it'll sound better? <laughs> I love you, buddy. I know who you are. I love you. <laughs> I had a little lady that was a minister's wife. Oh, that's just right. That got sick. She was, I called her my almond joy. She always brought me almonds. She loved me. And her husband died early and we petted her. We petted her. She was special. I love ministry. I love, I love ministry. I, I will pray for your pastor and his sweet wife every day. I love ministry. And uh, she came to me one day and she said, Pastor, you know, I'm a little sick. And I don't feel like that I'm going to make it out of this one. But she said, I got, one, I got one request. I just wish you'd pray that and ask God to not let me die at night. I'm afraid of the dark. I'm just afraid of the dark. He said, would you, uh, would you pray? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And I told Patty, I said, that's the strange request I ever heard in my life. Pray that she doesn't die in the dark. You're going to die. Just close your eyes. It don't matter. When you close your eyes, it's dark everywhere. But I prayed. Simple. I ignored it after I prayed it. I just prayed it. So the night she was to die, it was 2.30 in the morning. Patty and I got the call, and her daughter was my secretary at the time. And we went to the hospice place, and Marge wasn't going to make it till morning. She wasn't going to make it. And when I walked in, she was unconscious, and the doctor said, she, she'll probably last about another hour. And I went over to the corner and I said, God, this little lady just wanted one thing in life, just one. She's saved, she's ready to go. She's gonna meet you in peace, but can you just do her a favor? And 3.30 came and 4.30 came and 5.30 came. And six o'clock came. 
and I opened the curtains and it was light outside. (laughs) And I said, Marge, there's a light beaming. The sun's up. And she opened her eyes and said, thank you. And closed them and went to sleep in the Lord. Now, I know that sounds strange, but this is going to sound stranger. At 11 o'clock that day, we left the hospital and I listened to the news on KLBJ and the meteorologist came on and said, folks, we had a little phenomenon today. (laughs) Something strange said, we declared that the sun was going to rise at a certain time and it came up about five minutes before we declared it last night. We had an early sunrise today, very odd, very strange. And I went to the church and I wasn't going to say anything about it. Several people came up to me that night. It was a Wednesday night service. said, Pastor, you hear the sun came up early today? I said, yeah, those meteorologists don't know what they're talking about. But then I thought, no. He stopped the sun for Joshua. He let it go backwards for Hezekiah. He put it on pause just a moment for one of his kids. Because God will come from Teman to your prayer. So dad, mom, if you're praying for your kids, if you're praying for their future, you hold on. They're going to receive the Lord in their life one day if they haven't. If you've got wayward sons out there somewhere, pray. God will bring them home because God's into possibilities. Don't ever stop praying for people because people matter to Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? I would ask you to stand. I was riding home. I was riding home on a, on a plane several years ago and we were in the Iraq situation. And uh, I had bumped up because I had points and I was flying all over the country, speaking all over the country. And, they let a man from the military bump up to where I was and he had his fatigue zone. He had his, he, he, he looked so sharp. And I, I said, son, I'm old enough to be your dad. I'm, I'm happy you're getting called up here to sit with me. So we got talking about the military and the war. And I said, what's the, what's the unique, most unique thing you've ever seen in your life? And he said, a man named Hunter. He said he came into basic and he had hair out to here. Said he, he had frizz hair, and he dyed it every, every two inches another color. He said, we called him Rainbow Head, the psychedelic man. And we told him the first day he was there, I said, you don't belong in the military. You don't belong in the Army. He said, no, 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 what you boys don't understand, I am Army. I am Army. And he said, when we got through with our haircuts, his hair, his head was the color of his hair. It was all different colors. And he said... We walked in the barrack, he'd pulled his shirt off and he said he was doing, said, anybody want to take army on? And nobody wanted to take army on. And he said, I said, well, why you want to tell me about it? He said, well, I lost contact with him, but he said he joined the army rangers. And he said, we heard about him later, said he was the man that had his infantry, his, his squad. He pulled Saddam Hussein out of that hole. He was the man that led the assault on Saddam Hussein. And he said, we thought he didn't even belong. He said, Pastor, I've discovered something. People that you think don't do. 
and people that you think won't will. And I said, thank you. I'm going to tell that everywhere I go. There's people walking by this church today that need to be a part of Colonial Hill Baptist. Let it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dear Father, I bless this congregation right now. And I thank you for the love and the joy and the peace that you have brought to this place in 65 years. Thank you for these people. Thank you for letting me preach a gospel today. Lord, I bless them. I send favor to them. Let their jobs go better. Let their homes be better. Let their kids enjoy school like never before this year. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. I'm turning to Pastor Reed. God bless you.